The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And you can follow Wrestle Podcast at Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net. And you can listen to my episodes at Wrestle Podcast on Spreaker.com and also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. And you can follow me at Twitter at WPopcast1 and on Facebook at Wrestle Podcast. My special guest today is the Darewolf. PJ Black, how's it going? I'm good. How you doing today, buddy? Pretty good. Thank you for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, there's a match I would love to talk to you about um, right now. I just saw it. It was a, I loved it. It was crazy. It was a crisp match. Had a lot of great technical moves in it. The match you just had with Teddy Hart. Oh yeah. I mean. Uh... I've been in the business for over 20 years. I think Teddy has been in the business for like 22, 23 years. Um, people have been trying to book this match for years. It's been a dream match. It was actually booked a while back in Vegas, but something happened. It turned into a three-way, and we've been waiting for the singles match for quite a while. And uh, I think that promotion wants to do a best out of three or best out of five now because they enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always been a fan of Teddy. He's, he's fantastic. Um, I feel like, you know, like 10 years ago, he wrestled the same style as everyone wrestles today. And uh, back then, it was like, it was almost taboo. It was like, uh, I remember Dr. Tom Pritchard and Dusty Rhodes telling Teddy, be like, Teddy, less is more, less is more. And Teddy used to always fight back and say, no, more is more. And I feel like now, how wrestling has evolved, we live in a time where more is more. You know, you can hit five, six finishes in a row. It's just a different way of storytelling, and I feel like time has caught up to Teddy, and he's, uh, he's definitely, he was way ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's great in a ring. I love watching him as well. Um, also, um, you're, you have a match you're looking forward to in Nashville, a wrestler you get a, uh, finally get a chance to be in the ring with, with uh, Tonga. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, New Japan just pulled him off the card, so uh, the replacement is Kip Cash. Who I've also been a huge fan of him. He's a local guy, and he—he's actually—he was retired for a while, I think. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that match against New Japan, but uh, again against Tamatanga, will happen in New Japan in the future. Um, but yeah, I was definitely looking forward to that. But that's that's wrestling, right? The, the cards subject to change. Yeah, and you wrestled all around the world as well. Um, what was some of your memorable moments at wrestling at different countries? What was your favorite country you loved uh, wrestling at? Oh, wow, that's tough because I've wrestled in 61 different countries. Um, everyone you meet in a, in a for, and special for a different reason. Um, you know, like a few countries that stand out. I like Dubai. I always like Dubai because they have a great extreme athlete uh, appreciation over there they have a lot of extreme sports because the prince of dubai skydive so that's always a good city you know for sightseeing i mean for food italy for sure i mean different places different reasons um yeah like i said 61 countries i've wrestled in 48 states and the list is just growing that's pretty amazing um as well um have you ever got a chance to wrestle over in thailand yet uh, yeah, I, I was there with WWE actually. Uh, Thailand, China, and we did. Uh, what else did we do on that tour? I forget. But it was with WWE. I haven't, I haven't been there without them yet. No. 
Um, also, um, tell me about your time with uh, uh, WWE. Uh, you signed a, a three-year developmental contract with them uh, at uh, FCW, and then later um, you um, were uh, performing over at NXT. And then when you got um, were doing pretty good, they moved you up to the roster. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great time in my life. I um, signed a developmental deal. WWE moved me to the U.S. I, that was a great time in my life because I moved to the U.S., right? I didn't have any responsibilities. All I had to do was rock up to training every day, and we did a show every night. And I had to get myself to the gym somehow. You know, I had no responsibilities back then. I had no car, no, no like... Uh, the rent payment, no phone or anything like that. I was just wrestling every day. I was literally just living the dream. Um, I was in developmental for about 10 months and then the, the season one of NXT started, which was supposed to be something completely different, but it, it, um, I guess they ran out of time and it, you know, like the rest of the history. And then we started NXT, uh, the Nexus right after that. And, um, yeah, it all happened so very quick, but it was definitely a great time in my life. I bet it was too. T- um, tell me about your friendship and chemistry in the ring and tagging with uh, Heath Slater. And you guys were also three-time WWE tag champs as well. And do you have any great road stories about you and Heath Slater? I mean, I have so many good road stories about Heath. Just me and Heath. I'm going to write a book about that one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so because of the WWE moving to the US, my whole family's still back home, so I didn't have. I don't have family here, so like, you know, I, I used to go to Heath's family for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, and like, you know, I started hanging out with uh, 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 Ryback, and like, all, all the guys that were in developmental with me, all the guys in Nexus in the first season of NXT, we became really close. You know, we were traveling 300 days a year, we were traveling together, and they kind of like became my family. And uh, yeah, I have so many road stories about every single one of those guys, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it in a book one day. Can you uh, tell us at least one story with you and Heath? <laughs> okay, uh, let's see, let's see. Um, the first night we won the, the tag titles, so me and Heath used to travel together, and uh, so we just share a hotel room together, you know, because it get, kind of gets lonely on the road. <laughs> um, and Heath is one of those guys that sleeps with a TV on, so I would usually wake up in the middle of the night and switch the TV off, right? Uh-huh. So it was the, the first night we won the tag titles, um, it was pretty big. It was a big deal for both of us. And I wake up in the middle of the night to switch the TV off. But I look over and he's not in his bed. And as he heard me switch off the TV, he comes running out the bathroom, butt naked, just wearing the title around his waist. And he's got a cigar in the one hand and a hairdryer in the one hand. And he just starts yelling, woo, woo, <laughs> for like five, ten minutes straight. <laughs> and that's the type of guy he is. If anyone knows he, like that's that's the type of person he is. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. I could just so picture him doing that. That had to have been hilarious. <laughs> I bet you had to get a picture of that, didn't you? <laughs> oh man, I was like half asleep, and I was like, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Um, and then, um, what um, decides you to leave uh, WWE? Uh, it was just creative differences. I don't. At the time, I was pitching a bunch of different characters and storylines, and uh, you know, I even went back to NXT to work on some character stuff, and you know, work with Dusty with some character developmental stuff and some new promos and a new look and all this stuff. And I just felt felt like it was bad timing that you know they had so many new kids coming in, and uh, a lot of us just got pushed to the side. Um, and at that time too, they were just focusing on like two or three top guys, and. 
guys like me just kind of got lost in the shuffle and I got, you know, I, I'm a very creative guy. I'm a very artist, artsy guy and it's, it's all my ideas just gets like suppressed or thrown away. I, I felt like I was worthless and uh, so I was like, you know what, before I get too old, let me go try the Indies or maybe try and get into another one of the, the big, bigger companies at the time. Um, and then, I, yeah, I just felt like I had to leave. It was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make because obviously it was my dream job. But they moved me to the US and it's the only thing I ever wanted to do ever since I was a kid. So it, it was very tough, but uh, it was very rewarding at the same time. Yeah, speaking of indies, um, you went over to uh, Evolve Wrestling and also uh, Chikara Pro as well. What what was that like for you and the experiences there? And uh, did you have to learn uh, different styles from uh, different promotions? What was that like for you? Oh, totally, because the, the independent style is, is a lot different, obviously. Um, and I mean, I, I was always a huge fan of that style, but like... So the first few shows I did for Evolve, I had to kind of adapt on the fly. Like, in the ring, I had to, like, change up my style. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to have to do to get a response from the from these fans. Um, luckily, I was always good with that kind of stuff, you know. I was never a guy to remember 10,000 spots, which, you know, some people think I am a spot monkey, but I'm actually, like, an improv artist. Like, I, I kind of, like, go with what the, the audience want to see, and that's... That's my favorite thing in wrestling, you know, like because every city, every town is different. Every promotion is different. Different psychologies, different strategies, different towns. You work different people. Um, yeah, it was very, it was definitely very exciting. And Chicago too. I was a huge fan. That was a bucket list for me to do the trios tournament. And luckily with trios stuff, you have a lot more freedom, if you will, with like spots and stuff like that. And it's a lot of the lucha libre style. Um, which I'm really good at because I spend a lot of time with a bunch of our lucha goals and lucha underground. But uh, yeah, like if, that's what I love about wrestling. Like every promotion is different, different ways of storytelling. You know, you look at the Japanese style; it's a completely different style of wrestling or storytelling. And uh, the Mexican style, obviously, the lucha libre style. And when I was young, I used to like just combine all these styles. I used to call it the hybrid style because South Africa didn't have its own style. You know, like Britain has its own style, and I kind of just combine all these styles together, and I feel like that's what everyone on the Indies are doing these days, which is cool. I'm not taking credit for it; I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great as well. And speaking of uh, Lucha Underground Wrestling, so what have you been uh, doing over there in season four, and what's it like to train at the new IC Temple as well? And what kind of vibe do you get into it while you're performing in front of a live audience for Lucha Underground? Oh man, I've been in wrestling for over 20 years now, and Lucha Underground was probably the most fun I've ever had. Those fans are electric, man. I would rather work in front of those fans than in front of a WrestleMania crowd any day. Like, as performers, we feel the energy of people, and the energy in there, I, I cannot even explain it. Like, there's no other place that I've experienced like that. Uh, the fans are phenomenal. I mean, I, I love working with with, the guy, with all the guys on the roster, guys and girls. Um, great writers. We have a great team there, obviously. Uh, season four, I think, is has another six or seven episodes left. Um, I was I was still kind of injured and coming back from injury at the time when we filmed this stuff. So all I think all my main spots are pretty much done. I had a couple of good singles matches, technical matches against Daga. And then our group, Worldwide Underground, me, John Morrison, Taya, and Jack Evans, we've done a lot of, like, we 
do a lot of backstage stuff. But uh, yeah, if you if you haven't watched the show, you should definitely check it out. It's a, it's a very fun show. It's very different to a normal, a traditional wrestling show. Yeah, it is. I've been watching it since season one. I'm a huge fan. I just love it. I mean, also, it's just um, like watching a uh, a long movie, like sitting at the movie theater, uh, watching a great story. Um, that's what I love about Luchador Underground Wrestling, because most, most of wrestling today is there's so much lack of storytelling. I know, I know. I, that's, what, that's what annoys me. You know, like, you have a whole, not to pinpoint anyone in particular, but, uh, you know, like, the whole year we have a story between two characters or two wrestlers and then you know we get the payoff at Wrestlemania and then the next night on Raw we have a rematch again it's like it's like the whole year what do we work for that's what I like about Lucha Underground you know it has seasons and the storylines have endings so when it ends a new one starts you know and that's the only thing I mean you know like you said it's, it's like watching a movie it's a, it's a TV show about wrestling not so much a wrestling show on TV that's what makes it unique yeah, it's pretty good as well, and there's so much a lot of great talent there too. Uh, you probably also worked with uh, Joey Ryan there as well. Of course, yeah, he's fantastic. He's only in Los Angeles too, and you know what a great talent and what a great uh, performer he is. Um, when you were uh, at Lucha Door Underground Wrestling, uh, you built a friendship and uh, great chemistry in the ring with uh, John Morrison. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've looked up to Johnny ever since I was young, you know, like, uh, always trying to copy some of his moves and some of his style, and then, you know, when, when, once we met, it just we just kind of like clicked, because we have the same, although we're from different countries, different continents, we, we have the same interests, I think we have the same style, and, you know, he's just a very laid-back guy, which I, I, I kind of like, I love his energy, and, you know, like, we just, we just became really good friends, and, you know, we always bounce ideas off each other, whether it's wrestling related or surfing or extreme sports or, you know, like he's, a, he's actually a very good movie director. People don't uh, realize this. That's what he went to school for. Um, and I'm not into that kind of business. He's directed a few movies and starred in a few and we, we always bounce ideas off each other. Although that's not like my forte. I mean, I still have some good ideas because in a way, movie business is just like wrestling and I've pitched hundreds of storylines and characters in my day so I feel like it, it all correlates um, also how was uh, John's wedding did you go to that oh, of course I did yeah no that was awesome like uh, seeing all the guys again and watching those kind of promo <laughs> <It was> hilarious <laughs> and, you know like he's now happy and him and Taya were uh, that, was, that was a pretty special day you know because I'm good friends with both of them so it, it, essentially it was like my two really close friends got married to each other and that's you know like that's fantastic yeah it is and what do you think about uh johnny uh, being on survivor um i mean i knew this was going to happen a long time ago but we couldn't tell anyone until it happened i think it's a it's a fantastic career move for him gets him some extra tv time um we actually strategized before he went to the island on a bunch of different stuff and we, we really thought he was going to win uh, you know, it's reality TV, and I just it works different to our world. But uh, I feel like he, he did really well on that. He's doing really well right now. That's pretty good as well. And um, also outside of wrestling, um, you're into uh, base jumping and skydiving and doing daredevil stunts. What influenced you to do all that great stuff? Um, I grew up surfing when I was a kid, and I played rugby. Um, you know, I've always been, I, I guess, a little daredevil, if you say. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I was young, I was doing it for different reasons. I was doing it to get that adrenaline spike, you know, to get to get uh, noticed and to, you know, I feel like now that I'm older, I do it for different reasons. Like base jumping uh, is just an ultimate form of meditation to me, and so is skydiving. You know? But uh, I mean, I still enjoy it. I have pitched many Daredevil characters to, to WWE, and because it's a, it's not a, it's not a character; it's who I am. Um, and yeah, I, obviously, some of it I've stuck, and like you know, the Daredevil character that you see on TV right now—that's that's not me playing a character. That's exactly who I am. Um, also, you lost a finger from a base jump. Is that correct? I did. It was a, a, a part of my finger. They ended up saving it in the end, which they said was a 99.9% chance of it not happening. And uh, they did. The female doctor sewed back on. There was uh, a steel pin in there. And it took about 10, 11 months of rehabilitation. And I, I can actually use my finger and my whole hand again. Oh, that's and pretty... The nail kind of that's pretty good too um you're also a big 80s pop culture related nerd tell us about that oh yes i mean i i'm an 80s kid i was born in 81 so i grew up with all the 80s and early 90s pop culture stuff and i'll always be a fan of that you know any movie with pop culture references or anything like 80s related so i'm, I'm a huge fan of you know because i love i love through that era and i feel like when you think back of stuff like that it's it's nostalgic in a way and i feel like a lot of people feel like that if you look at a lot of mainstream stuff lately it's all like like i don't know if you can remember when we were kids like it, it was only nerds who read comic books and played video games and nintendo and stuff like that but i feel like it's, it's totally different right now which makes it even more cool yeah it is and um you were also recently at uh, san diego comic con how was that for you for being a big nerd oh that was that was fantastic. that was a dream come true obviously i wish i had more time there I wish I could have walked around more and didn't have to work or anything, but uh, that was a first for me, and uh, obviously bucket list. But uh, it looks it looks good so that it, it's a possibility that we go back there next year. So I'm going to try and get there a few days early and spend some time there. And like you know, like that that's obviously the big one. San Diego Comic Con is a big one, and I feel like you need two, three, four days just to spend <laughs> just to see everything that you want to see and experience everything that there is to experience. Um, you're also a big uh, Nightmare Before Christmas fan, and you love uh, Jack Skeleton as well. And uh, and I know you probably sing along with some of the songs in that movie too. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. I mean, I got I got the album, I got the uh, the rock remixes of the album. Uh, Jack Skeleton was a background on my phone for the longest time. And if you zoom in on on any of my skydiving pictures on my Instagram, you'll see Jack Skeleton as a pretty awesome too um if you could change anything about professional wrestling and how fans perceive it what would you change and why 
Ooh, wow, that's tough. Mm, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think right now, I wouldn't change anything right now. I feel like maybe in in countries like South Africa, we're like 10 years behind with where people still, you know, they go, oh, well, that's not real. Or like, oh, did you even get hurt? I feel like um, the wrestling has evolved. I mean, most people know it's, it's a predetermined sport, you know, like so the, the words fake and stuff like that doesn't, you don't really come across that in the U.S. anymore. I feel like other countries just need to catch up with that. But I feel like it's like magic, you know. Like a lot of people, uh, you know, you know, magic's not real. But once you know how the tricks are done, it's kind of it loses that uh, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like wrestling is the same thing, you know. Like you just appreciate it for what it is. It's an art form. Just appreciate. It. And I feel like the, the, these days people do appreciate that even more once they know kind of like how it's done so yeah I don't, I don't think I would change anything right now but who knows wrestling evolves all the time like if you ask me this question a year from now maybe I'll have a, a completely different answer <laughs> yeah you'll be well prepared you'll be like you know something Robin I'm prepared for this and I got an even a better answer for you <laughs> Exactly. Um, also, um, speaking of, since you're from uh, South Africa as well, um, you were trained uh, by your father, who um, was a professional wrestler by the name of Pink Panther, and he had his own promotion as well. And what was that like growing up in the wrestling while your dad was uh, wrestling? Yeah, I know. I was a, my dad was known as the Pink Panther, very gimmicky name, but if you ask any South African, they will remember that name uh, ahead of anyone else in history. He was kind of like a gimmicky guy, but he was also, in real life, he was a tough, super tough guy. You know, like, everyone's first match was always against him, so if you ever speak to any other South African uh, in in my generation, his first match was probably against my pops. Um, He was a legit badass, you know, like, he was a, he went to the Olympic Games or would have gone to the Olympic Games in 1981 for Greco-Roman and freestyle wrestling. So he was legit a tough guy. So growing up, it was cool because he we had a wrestling ring in our backyard and he stretched me quite often. Just like the stories you hear of, of Stu Hart stretching Bret Hart and stuff like that. I mean, mine, mine probably wasn't that extreme, but I mean, I learned so much from my dad. You know, not, not only just wrestling, but just like self-defense and how to protect yourself and stuff about the business and life and just, you know, like... I know I'm a, I look, I might look like a gimmicky guy too, but I, uh, the stuff that he taught me legit made me a tough guy growing up. That's pretty good as well. And um, I also did a little research. You can tell me if this is true or not too. Um, your grandfather was a boxer and an amateur wrestler as well. Is that correct? That's correct. And I had a as well. That's pretty good too. So he was a great boxer. Was he a professional boxer? Uh, he was a he was a professional boxer. I don't I'm not sure what his record was. You know, I mean, this was like before, back in the day in South Africa. I don't even know if there was any record of it anywhere online. I could never find anything like that. But uh, yeah, he was he was legit, man. That's pretty good as well too. And then you um also trained in the uh, UK under uh, Sloan. So what was the different styles and techniques of training that was a little different from your dad's and Sloan's? Yeah, well, it was totally different because the British style, you know, was a lot of holes, and I was a huge fan of that style actually. And I, I, you know, I watched a lot of tape of guys like Johnny Saint and like guys of that era um, to uh, to uh, brush up on my skills. So when I got there, I was like already very knowledgeable 
on that whole style. But the, the time that I got there, 2002, they've already changed to what the British style is that, that you see today. You know, so they've obviously stole a lot of the, the holes and like the, the that way of storytelling. But it's also evolved into what it is now with a lot more. Uh, I guess American style, as you can say, and a lot more spots and like a lot of high spots and and fast paced action. So you know it was cool, and that style I had down too. So it was kind of like way ahead of the curve. But I did learn a lot from those guys, um, and just working every weekend. You, you know, you learn something new every single weekend you work. Before Eddie Guerrero died, he told me like he learned something new every day, and to me, he was one of the best. So you know, like I've, I've been doing this for like over twenty years, but legit every single time I go somewhere I, and wrestle someone new I learn something new that's pretty good as well too um, I talked to you a couple months ago and you were uh, planning a, a trip to go over to India and then you uh, just told me it got postponed what happened it did it did you know so it was a big group of us maybe like 40 guys so at first you know we had, we had troubles with a couple of guys visas and then it was flights I mean trying to you know, that's why WWE have a whole uh, office that just books travel for the guys. You know, I try to book travel here and there, and I try to help the guys out with visas, and it, it just got too much for us, so we had to push it back. Um, and then uh, we're about to sign a TV deal in Bollywood, so, like, everything just had to wind up, and I feel like some of the guys didn't, you know, like, do their part, and, it, yeah, it just got pushed back again. Um, I wonder what's going to happen with that now, to be honest, but uh, I guess time will tell. Yeah, it is. Um, I've um, interviewed a lot of uh, wrestlers on my show, and they've went over to India, and they said it's such a great experience over there. Totally, totally. You know, any, any one of those countries, it's a great different experience just to experience different cultures and see how they react and respond to you. Uh, I, I wrestled in India a couple of years ago. I wrestled Brian Cage for Great Khali's promotion. In front of 60,000 people, and the next might be at 70, 75,000 people. So this was like WrestleMania crowd, and you know it's, it's it's a growing sport in that country. Even in China, like you know, China have a billion people, India have a billion people living there. So I feel like those are the two territories that in the next few years are going to grow tremendously. Yeah, and um, you love wrestling so much as well. Um, you got rid of your possession, sold your house, and gave away a hundred pairs of sneakers. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> I did, I did. So I was living in Florida at the time, and I signed with Lucha Underground, and they were flying me to California like once a week, sometimes twice a week to film stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try try out California for a while and see if I like it. And I just, I ended up just falling in love with Los Angeles for the city, and I still live here. Um, but like, I couldn't move all my stuff from from the East Coast to, to the West Coast. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to downsize and just like get rid of all my stuff and start start fresh and. Uh, it was also one of one of the hardest decisions I had to make, but it was also very rewarding. You know, like I I, I was living in my my dream house. I had like two trucks, two jet skis. I had four motorcycles at one stage. I had like all this stuff, like every single tool you can imagine in my garage. I had like all this stuff and that I never used or never probably would have used. And it, I I feel like now that I have none of that stuff like weighing me down, I feel so much. Freer, if that makes any sense. I don't know if, if California turned me into a hippie, but it, it definitely makes a, a difference to your quality of life. Oh, it is. Um, I grew up out in California myself, but I live in the Midwest now, and um, I know how it is out there. Yeah, um, there's times where I miss living out there, but I go back every year to go visit friends. Right, right. 
Um, you were also super kicked by a young buck as well. Oh yeah, I a couple of matches against the young bucks when Global Force was still a thing. Um, they needed someone to work the young bucks or the or the bullet club for a, a weekend, and I was like, I'll do it. And uh, funny story, actually, Jeff Jarrett came up to me because they needed a, a heel, a bad guy to work the, the bullet club, and I got to the back, and he was like, Yeah, you should never ever be a babyface again. And that's where I started. The, you know, I think I'm, I feel like I'm a much better heel than I'm a babyface. Um, yeah, that was a fun little match. We wrestled on a on a on a on a baseball field. Actually, we did like three, four, five weekends on baseball fields. Those I had a, quite a few memorable matches. I wish I can find that on the go. <laughs> what was the most memorable moment of your career and your biggest regret? Wow, uh, that's tough. I mean, I have so many great moments. You know, like my first WrestleMania was fantastic because my mom. Uh, refused to ever watch wrestling and she hated it so much the first time she ever saw me perform live was at Wrestlemania in Atlanta I forget what year that was Wrestlemania 33 maybe um, so that was pretty cool and then obviously I've been a few Wrestlemanias after that um, I've had a few dream matches you know like when I left WWE I got to wrestle AJ Styles which was a dream match for me um, Ray Mysterio like you know like Jeff Hardy did my entrance music that was pretty big you know I have so many good memories and it's hard to pick just one um, if I had any regrets if I wow the only regret I had was not speaking out for myself when we were in like NXT and the Nexus you know like we were all like walking on eggshells and we kind of like just let people talk like tell us what to do instead of you know telling people not in an arrogant or cocky way, but just standing up for ourselves and be like, yo, this is, this is the, obviously the better decision. Yeah, um, that's totally true as well. Um, and also, uh, independent independent wrestling has been on fire lately, don't you think so? Uh, totally. I, I, I feel like it's a fantastic time right now to be a wrestling and it's a better time to be a wrestler. There's so many great territories around the world with so many good companies like so much talent you know like not even not only in the US but in the UK and like all these up and coming countries it's, it's fantastic right now too. yeah and what do you think about uh, Cody Rhodes uh, doing All In what do you think about that I mean that was great I mean that, 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 yeah, you cannot even hate on the guy for that that it was fantastic on his part and the Bucks it took a lot of guts, a lot of determination, and a lot of willpower and a lot of work. Like people don't realize how much work goes into one of those shows. You know, I've tried to run shows myself, and I was like, "Yep, I'm just gonna go back to being a wrestler because it takes a lot out of you to run those shows." And I think they did a fantastic job. And I won't be surprised if we see another, if we see an All In Two next year. I have a feeling there will be an All In Two as well. So, where can everybody find you on social media so they know what you're going to be doing next? Yeah, I'm pretty active on uh, on Instagram. It's uh, PJ450, but uh, I'm pretty active on all social media. But if you go to my website, pjblack.com, all my social media links will be there. Links to my YouTube channel. Some, some of my, my favorite independent matches, uh, my merch and stuff on there. So, yeah, the links to everything will be on pjblack.com. Uh, since you have a favorite uh, indie matches, what what's your top favorite indie match of all time? Hello? Yeah, I'm still there. Um, what's your top 
favorite indie match of all time? Ooh, again, it's hard to pick one. <laughs> uh, there's there's three on there which I really really enjoy, and it's hard to pick them. But me against Osprey one, uh, me against Ricochet one, and there's one against me and Brian Cage. Actually, there's me and AJ two. That's hard. I, I top five, and they all pretty much, you know, like I'd have to go watch them again and, and break them down for different reasons. But Will Osprey is, is pretty high up there too. Um, he definitely makes it the, the the top three for sure. AJ was obviously a, the dream match of mine, and that'll always be very close to my heart. And also because we never got to like talk or work out any spots or anything, like we legit just went into the match and freestyle everything. And if, if you're in the business, you know how hard that is and what that takes. And if you watch that match back and you're in the business or you understand wrestling and you watch that back, you have so much more appreciation for what we did in that match. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to pick one. Like, I, I have hundreds, and then they, but my top 20 is all on my YouTube page, so check it out. I will. Um, do you ever think you'll ever get in the ring and uh, wrestle Flip Gordon? Oh, I, I think that's inevitable. That's definitely going to happen. I'm, I'm a huge fan of watching that guy. He's fantastic. Um, I met him a few weeks ago, and, we, you know, we. I mean, if I say we keep, keep in contact, it's like we we like and comment on each other's posts on social media. So <laughs> that's like the modern way, modern day of, of keeping in contact. And I, I, I love what he's doing, and I, I definitely feel like that Max is going to happen too. Oh, that's going to be a great one if it does as well. And thank you so much for coming on, taking your time to come on to my uh, show today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for your time, and uh, thank you for all the love and support. I appreciate it. Uh, hey, uh, much obliged. And everybody else, thank you for listening to Russell Podcast. Boom, boom. Coca Banner. Boom, boom. Coca Banner. Boom, boom. Coca Banner. It's Coca Banner. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit the marks, which is weird, because you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my special guest today is Be Prepared to Be Mystified expert pro wrestler and magician extraordinaire, Jarek120. Can you say hi to everybody, Jarek? Hi, everyone. What's going on? Yeah, thanks for coming on. Me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Out here, it's a kind of gloomy day in Los Angeles. So, but uh, beautiful. It's cool that uh, we can have this chat from, what is it, 2,000 plus miles away, I'd say? Yeah, it is. Um, at least you have nicer weather than um me up here in the midwest it's just like all cold and rainy <laughs> do you know how cold it is over there because i'm from uh michigan originally so give me a good idea of what my parents are feeling right now um well it's uh it's 40 degrees here right now and rainy not terrible i knew i heard it was like 22 degrees at some point last week i don't know if that how it was for you but Oh, um, it got down to us in the 30s here in the Cincinnati area, and we had some snow twice when after it became spring. It was crazy. <laughs> Getting closer to summer, so Amen. To look forward to. So what have you been up to lately? I had the WWE tryout. That was fun. And then trying to get on to PWG. Like I'm a, I was going to take a break after WrestleMania. I'll be going to New Orleans next weekend for evolve and uh but i'll only be there for like 
the 5th through the 7th. So I won't be there for actual WrestleMania. Um, but, yeah, that's basically the event. I just moved into a new apartment, so I'm going to be coming out with new Disturb Reality magic teaching and magic-based videos for YouTube and just keep training and, you know, hope, I'll see see what I can do in Evolve this year. Yeah, Evolve is pretty good. Um, you got me hooked in Evolve. After I watched some of your matches, um, I got hooked on Evolve because I've never heard of Evolve Wrestling, and I looked into it, and it's pretty good. And it has like a great roster as well. It does. They, that roster, it, it's uh, humbling to be in with some of those guys. Keith Lee, Zach Sabre Jr., Matt Reynolds. like, wow. Someone I, thinks that I like belong with, in a locker room with these guys, you know? And then uh, to hear the response from the crowd after some of your matches is just like, good. Like, I'm glad I could hold my own in there um, with these other, you know, this elite roster. Yeah, and you were also um, with uh, TWA Wrestling. You were in a Chamber of Death match. Is that correct? Who is it and where were they based out of? Wasn't it TWA Wrestling? I No, I've never wrestled for them. Never even heard of them. Okay, I thought you did. Okay, I thought you did. I must have looked at it wrong. I also follow you on Twitter as well. I probably just read a wrong tweet. Sorry about that. No worries. Okay, so when you tried out for uh, WWE, you were trained by uh, Brian uh, Kendrick as well. Is that correct? That's right. Been training under him for the last three years since like WrestleMania 31 or so. And uh, yeah kicks our ass in there some some days are better than others as far as <laughs> what he puts us through but it's good it prepares you for what wwe expects when you actually get to the performance center for a real tryout and how and how well did you do at the tryout i mean i think i i think i did well i haven't heard anything back it's been six weeks or so and they said that they'd be hitting people back up in six weeks um but I didn't puke. I didn't even come close to like feeling sick or nauseous at any point. And uh, a few people dropped out after the first day, whether it was just physical ailments, couldn't do it, didn't want to do it anymore, or got sick, whatever, or got hurt during the tryout. But uh, yeah, I think I did well. Well <laughs> enough, I, I survived. And I uh, did it all with a smile on my face. So. And then also you did some uh, magical tricks on uh, WWE TV as well. I did. I uh, So at the tryout, I got to show magic to the other attendees. And uh, one of the guys there, Ryan Katz, who is a producer for NXT, he filmed it. And word kind of got around how good the trick was. That's the one that they actually put up on their YouTube did their Facebook and all their social media stuff. But word got around to the trainers by next day and I heard like some of the trainers wanted me to show them the trick. So it, it was kind of cool just alone that the word spread. And uh, also everyone, all the trainers knew I was the magic guy because we got to do 60 second promos at the very beginning. And I did a magic trick during my promo and to William Regal. And everyone asked if he was in on it because all the tr- coaches were just like, you know, blown away that I basically was just like, William Regal, think of any card. And he says the three of clubs and I pull out a deck of cards and spread through and there's one card face down. And it was the three of, three of clubs. So all the coaches were like, were you in on that? Were you in on that? And 
they definitely knew I was the magic guy, and uh, yeah, word word spread about that magic trick that showed up on their website. So it's pretty cool that they. And then two weeks later, I got to go to Raw and SmackDown. And I showed magic to some of the people backstage, and I got to show magic to Renee Young, and that showed up. That floated around on Mustafa Ali's Twitter account, and uh, that did really well too. So I got a nice little buzz. They definitely know who the magic guy is at this point. Hey, that's pretty good as well. So how did you come up with uh, Jarek 120? The name Jarek came from a Mortal Kombat video game when I was 11 years old. I wrote a script for a movie, (laughs) and uh, I was going to play the character in the movie. And so I gave the character in the movie the name Jarek because I saw it in that video game, Mortal Kombat 4, for the PlayStation. And there was a character in there with no last name, just Jarek. And I thought it was cool, different. Never heard anyone with it. And I didn't end up making the movie, so I just adopted it as my wrestling name. And then the 120 came a year later, uh, but that's like, it's a magic trick in itself. It's, it's a secret. So I usually just will ask people, tell me what you think it means. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think it's a time or a date, or there's a lot of interesting theories out there you know, specific moment of something significant happening in my life, but it's a secret. It's a secret. Not even, my parents don't know. My girlfriend says she won't marry me unless I tell her what 120 means. My best friend doesn't know. So taking it to the grave. Wow. What would you do like in the future if somebody did come up with the right answer, then what would you do? Oh, I'd either lie about it I guess if someone in their wildest, or you know what, it's so like far fetched. They'd be like, "Hey, I think I know what it's from." And they tell me, and then I'm just like, "Oh yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, you got it." And play it off like almost facetiously. Does that make sense? Yeah, it is. And then they would they would start to second guess themselves, like, "Oh yeah, you're right. That's a dumb answer." And I'm just like, "Yeah, it is, but you were right. But you'll never know now. You'll still be second guessing, even though that is the correct answer." And that's true. I, I'm gonna take a crack at it. I know it's this is gonna be a wrong one, but I kind of it kind of sounds kind of cool. How about um, a magical badass in the ring? What about it? Uh, that that's what 120 means. Yep. No, I came up. No, I came up with it when I was eleven. <laughs> so, uh, no, that is not correct. But thank you. Well, darn. <laughs> um, you also um, have a great friendship with uh, Drew Gulak. Um What's your uh, friendship and chemistry with him in the ring? Drew's very hard-hitting. I don't think that's like a secret to anyone who's been in the ring with him. And uh, so the chemistry in the ring, it feels like a real struggle because it is a real struggle. Drew uh, takes what he can get, and you you know he doesn't let you have anything unless you take it from him. So I I only wrestled one match with him, and uh, but it was good, and he be he kicked my ass, but uh, it was fun. it was fun. I think we'd do a lot better <laughs> now that it's like six or seven years later, however many years it is later. So, do you guys have any uh, good stories? Mm, Drew was the first one 
to come up with the coin behind the ear idea during a match. Oh, neat. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I uh, do the whole magic thing, and a lot of times everyone has a different perception on what magic is, you know? A lot of people think it's, oh, you pull a, man, pull a rabbit from out of a hat. A lot of people think, oh, you're levitating over buildings. A lot of people think, you know, first assumption, oh, you make something big disappear. And Drew's first thought was like uh, old school uncle. He's like, oh, the classic pull a coin behind your ear. That was his perception. So he, you know, it was his idea for that. And that's uh, one of the few magic ideas from other people that have stuck like in my arsenal and so that's a cool that's i think that's a an interesting story yeah that's a pretty cool story as well and i also like your in-ring style man you have that uh badass flagpole elbow drop man that's just perfect you perfected that pretty good that's just fun to watch when you do that thank you that's a that's a matt cross move i saw him do a flagpole he does a flagpole body splash but i think the first time i saw him do it to me it was like an elbow drop and so i just took it and i've been doing it as an elbow drop ever since unless matt is on uh, the shows but i don't even think matt cross does that flagpole body splash anymore which works out for me because it's the closest thing i have to that looks like a levitation you know so while Matt Cross is like the super parkour strong guy, like, holy crap, he can hold up all of his body weight like that. It makes sense for the magician to be able to just kind of like float, you know? Yeah. And also, I love that magic choke slam as well, man. That's just pretty awesome as well. Thank you. Yeah. When it's when it's done correctly to the right crowd or the right environment, we prime the audience to like the idea of like okay this guy's a magician you know i can't just pull it out of nowhere like have, have a straight you know a fight with someone and then hit someone with it at the end we have to have like several leading up isolated incidents that tell you know the audience okay i accept that this guy is a magician so then when the magic chokeslam comes and then it's hit perfectly yeah it's it's awesome and the crowd like loves it but I understand why, out of context, people hate it. They either love it or they hate it. Or they love it, they hate it so much that they end up loving it. Of course they are. They're just afraid to admit it. They they love it and they know it. And also, I like your uh, finisher too, that hypnotic knockout. Yeah, I haven't beaten anyone with it yet. So I wouldn't call it like my, my finish finish. But it's definitely one of the biggest things that I'm trying to... Uh, you know, establish as like, oh, that's his move. You know what I mean? Yeah. If if people see that, or if people like see it somewhere else, there, I want them to think, oh, he stole that from Jericho and Twenty or whatever. The same way, if you ever see the Styles clash, they don't think of the person doing it. They think, oh, that's AJ Styles' moves. Same with the Canadian Destroyer for the longest time when everyone was doing it. People still were just like, cool. But that's Petey Williams, you know? So, and again, yeah, that hypnotic knockout, it's just one of the, another thing that just looks like hypnosis, levitation, it looks magical. So when it's done right, it's like really pretty. Yeah, it is. Um, I've seen you on some uh, video 
of matches of you did that to your opponents and then it's it's just hard to explain but it just looks like you said magical it just looks good that's that's all i have to say about that <laughs> right and that's what i try to have like my moveset look like look somewhat magical whether i have some escapism in my moveset you know escapology the escape artist whether it's uh i may implement handcuffs during a match whether i'm escaping them or using them as a weapon um just i'll do this like ace crusher or rko you know out of nowhere but it's traditionally known as the ace crusher so you know but i have it where uh the guy like slingshots through the middle ropes and I catch him out of midair with it. So instead of just hitting like a standard RKO, like most people would, I, it's the only different way I thought of that. I feel like I don't, haven't seen anyone hit the ace crusher. That style is where they try to, they're on the apron, try to like shoot their shoulder into you and you end up just catching them and dropping them. And also, um, let's talk about, um, also seeing a few times, you also had an assistant as well, uh, Cutie Pie Candy Cartwright. Can you tell us anything about her? Well, over in Evolve, yep, Candy is my lovely assistant. And then over on the West Coast, my girlfriend will be my lovely assistant at shows. And so it's kind of cool to have, you know, Oh yeah, another idea we were playing with was, oh, this guy's got a different lovely assistant for each match, and uh, and then it eventually might have led to like one sticking. But I think something, you know, somewhere, somehow, some way, a stick like that would be cool—just a different lovely assistant every single time, um, and they don't even like do anything uh, as far as trying to interfere in the matches or. They're just there to, you know, a little side candy. So it worked out perfectly. And I know that candy's been, there aren't a lot of girls involved. There's Priscilla Kelly and she'll get physically involved. And then there's candy and she's the only other like female talent aside from maybe AR Fox's legitimate wife who accompanies him to the ring. But as far as an act goes, there aren't any women. So it's really cool to be, just another different, you know, that's just another thing that makes us different. And, and that's pretty good as well. And that's why it works so well for you um, in the ring. Absolutely. And whether she is just the loving believes magic is real and she, she plays it, she plays it perfectly. And we're only getting like better chemistry as we go on. Well, it's pretty good as well. Um, I um, saw some of your matches I would love to talk about. Um, you um, have some crazy matches with Darby Allen. Oh, boy, that guy is, is strange, isn't he? Tell us about you and Darby Allen. Uh, that first, yeah, so Darby Allen and I had, it was my first Evolve match. And so it was kind of like, this is a big deal and I need to have a good showing. And it was great for me because we were in New York and that New York crowd knows and loves Darby Allen. So it was just that much easier for just them caring about him or loving him made them in a way like care about me because if, you know, their hero was getting beat up or, you know, then just someone to cheer against or boo rather. And so 
Yeah, we had a we had a pretty insane match, but again, that we had a lot of I had a lot of pressure on me in particular, but uh, Darby was especially cool during that time. That whole locker room, but Darby, uh, yeah, he like he does for everyone in every match, just puts his body completely on the line and out there, and he uh, looks like he got beat up pretty bad at some points. But I, I don't know, that guy's bones are made out of rubber. But I think once he gets to a certain age, that, that rubber is going to change to bone. And so I think he's just got to, you know, do it while he still feels like rubber rubber band bone kid. Yes, exactly. And then another match I loved of yours, you had a uh, bloody intense match with Yuma. Oh my gosh, I couldn't stop watching that. That was such a great, solid, crisp, intense, bloody match. Yeah, it was uh, the culmination of a four-year sto- you know, story that we, and that was for like a, a television show here in Los Angeles, CBJ Wrestling from Hollywood, and so they produce four, week- four shows, one hour, four shows a month, you know, every Saturday it airs on television. And so we had a four-month, you know, 12-week storyline that culminated in that. And during the entire 12 weeks, you and I had never touched each other once. It was all psychological and, you know, implementing magic, and, like kidnapping and stalking and hanging him upside down by a straitjacket, left to, to die, and uh, just so much went into that and then we got to be like the main event and have uh this long like it was like a 25 minute match that yeah we used legos and there's blood and chairs and he handcuffed me to the ring and i pulled a a pick out of my mouth and i picked the handcuffs and yeah we uh had a we beat the crap out of each other but yeah, that was a great match. And then you also had another interesting match with Funny Bone as well. Yeah, that match was like short. That promotion was short lived. It was, uh, I was just getting ready to go on this wild road trip with uh, my buddy Tyler. And we were in California, and that was kind of our last show before we went on this two month road trip. And, but we get there. And I have this match with Funny Bone, and it, it goes well. And the promoters were saying, like, oh, we want to have, you know, we want to do this and X and Y and Z with you guys. And then Tyler and I ended up going on this, like, two-month road trip. And <laughs> we didn't come back. So, it, I don't know. It could have been, like, the start of something really cool. But it was just a a nice little sideshow. Yeah. All right, and another question I'm going to ask you as well is, um, what influenced you to uh, get into pro wrestling and magic and combine them both into it in your career? Um, So wrestling always came first. I came when I was like eight years old. I was playing soccer outside with my friends, uh, my neighbors, and it was a cold day in Michigan, and it was three of us. My one buddy says to the others, like, oh, you look like Rey Mysterio, because he was wearing a bright orange ski mask because it was cold outside. Oh, you look like Rey Mysterio. Oh, who's that? So they tell me who Rey Mysterio is. I go home, turn on wrestling, and 
here I am, this eight-year-old kid seeing cage matches and people throwing each other off the stage through tables. There's an eight-year-old who's just like, it's hard not to get hooked. Um, these, like, human beings doing this to each other. So that's where I got bit with that bug. And then magic was always somewhat interesting to me, but it wasn't until my friend showed me a magic trick that just really confused me that I was like, I want to give that perception to other people, the idea, the feeling of confusion or the feeling. I wanted to trick people into thinking that I was smarter than I was really, really was. That's what it felt like. I picked up on magic and then I got better than good at magic. And I always wanted to keep them separate from wrestling. And it wasn't until, because I wanted to be known as like a wrestler. You know, I didn't want to be the magic guy who's, Rest. I don't want to be the magician who wrestles. I want to be the the wrestler who does magic. And so I ended up having, or not having to, but just the older I got, the more I realized that these two things, I'm never going to be able to break one or the other. So I will just combine them. And I've heard from like numerous people like, hey, you know, the magic thing's kind of one of your best ins because... You're so good at it, legitimately, and it's so different, and no one does it as far as, like, like wrestling character. And if they do, they don't do it well. So they're just two things that I, that I can do on a high level that no one else in the world can. You can't teach a wrestler or tell a wrestler, like, oh, like, you're a really good wrestler, but you need to go learn magic because we have this idea for a character. It's like, he's not going to become a good magician like because he doesn't care about it. Same way you're not going to find a magician and tell him, like, oh, like, you're a really good magician. You know you'd be even better at wrestling. Go learn how to wrestle. And then expect him to become a good wrestler because he's passionate about magic. So I'm the only person in the world who can do both at a better than good or average not good, but better than average level, you know, at a high level like that. Yeah, and also in, um, did you sustain any, like, bad injuries while you were in the ring? I hurt my lower back in, like, 2009 taking a dumb bump and, uh, I just no broken bones, no uh, hey, send me straight to the emergency room incidents uh, but I had to go through physical therapy for my lower right lumbar, that little, like, nook crater just above your tailbone on the right side where your pants, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And, yeah, so that's not an easy place to stretch. It's not an easy place to work out. It's a very weird, isolated part of your body, but uh, it directly affects the way you walk and move and hold yourself up so if it's injured like it's just hard to it's hard to strengthen it back up so i had to go through physical therapy for it but feeling better now and yeah no broken bones as of as of yet so um also um tell us about disturbed reality um you have a bunch of uh videos on youtube tell us about that yep so i put up there's like over 400 videos on my YouTube channel, How to Disturb Reality. And uh, I teach magic and I also do, I would do 
social experiments implementing magic or magical things. And But yeah, it's really just a place where people can go if they want to learn magic and take them from being either uh, know nothing about cards and becoming a relatively advanced, you know, intermediate magician or, you know, taking you from intermediate to the next level advanced because I don't just teach magic. I teach you how to, like, perform, how to interact with people, how to get out of your comfort zone and go actually be a magician, not be a guy who knows how to do some card tricks. Big difference. So um, have you ever had any, like, professional, like, magicians or illusionists ever come up to you? Have I ever had any professional what come up? I'm sorry? Um, magicians or illusionists um, knows about, your, you know, your magic and stuff or ever came up to check it out? Well, I've had, I've had some aspiring, like, magicians see me out and about in Los Angeles, and they'll come say, oh, I watched Mr. Bailey, cool to see you out, and stuff like that but most professional magicians hate me (laughs) because i teach magic on youtube for free and that is screwing the magicians of the world over i'm breaking the magician's code so that's uh i'm not liked by a lot of professional magicians if any at all so um also didn't you do a a 30-day challenge to strangers uh, uh, perform magic and hypnosis to him? Well, right. I did this one special. Well, I will often do these 30-day challenges. Not so much anymore, but like when I was really trying to plant my footing here in California, I would do these different 30-day challenges. Okay, 30 days of I'm only going to drink water. I can eat food, but I'm not going to drink soda or like... If it's not water to drink... I'm not drinking it. Uh, I would do like no red meat challenge for 30 days. And one, so one of these 30 day challenges that I did was, you know, perform magic or hypnosis to 30 strangers every day in a row consecutively. And I ended up trying to film a lot of it. And I ended up making like a 42 minute short documentary special about it on YouTube. And it tied in more than just the idea of like, oh, it's this 30-day challenge. It's more as well about, you know, it's about love and about wrestling and pursuing aspiring dreams. And uh, it's about more than just the, you almost forget that the whole documentary is about this 30-day challenge. But yeah, that's online. And it uh, ends with like that match against Drew Gulak. So definitely worth uh, checking out. It has think over a hundred thousand no i think it has close to a million views now it's like one hour documentary on youtube has like a million views it's pretty wild yeah another ma- uh, match i love you were doing you were getting ready to do a match and then matt riddle came up to you and you did a, a card match with them and then at the final end of your match that was just purely amazing right so what i did it was that was my tryout for evolve Uh, That was actually a year ago around this time, and I showed, I have this trial match, and we only have five minutes. If you go over the five-minute time, like, they're going to ring the bell and, like, kick you out of the ring, basically. So, match starts, I go out of the ring, I was like, hey, Matt Riddle, come here, I want to show you a magic trick. So he comes over, show him a magic trick, he signs a card, 
finds the five of diamonds and we uh, put it in the deck and poof, magically make it jump to the top of the deck. Oh, he's like, he's enjoying it. My opponent comes and attacks me from behind. Oh, boo, like F this guy, he took away the magic. We go in, have this match. All the cards went flying everywhere. They went spilling after he attacked me from behind. Go in, continue our, you know, four minutes left that we have. And it finally ends with me taking the deck of cards and chucking it at my opponent's face. And he starts to get sick and he spits out a folded up card out of his mouth. And it's the signed five of diamonds that Matt Riddle signed from the beginning. Hit him with the super kick. That's the finish. And, uh, yeah, Matt Riddle was like, it was at the five of diamonds. And then sure enough, hold it up and it was signed. And then, uh, I think it's because of that match that they invited me to come back, come back and start working shows for WWN and Evolve. And here we are a year later. Well, Hey, that was pretty awesome too. And some of your matches I've seen of some of your opponents, they're sure uh, a lot like a lot of cards coming out of their mouths, or like when you do like a super kick, you know, like to a couple wrestlers. There's like cards and stuff flying everywhere out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah the the card the card flying animation is always good. So whether my opponent picks up the deck of cards and he's going to use it against me and like I hit him with the super kick and the cards go flying or there's so many different variations of having the cards go flying but if you can if I can somehow implement that somewhere in a match then uh it's always it always gets a, a great response it is it's pretty awesome and then I, I also love the match we were with uh Hornswoggle where you did the whole coin trick and he was just like lit up like a little animated character it was so funny yeah, he definitely probably reacted to the best out of anyone. He'd almost like ripped his shirt off trying to like look for it. And uh but yeah, that was so cool. He uh he responded well to the coin reveal behind his ear. Again, Drew Gulak's idea from years ago. But great. Um, and I got another question for you too. Um if you could change anything about pro wrestling and how fans perceive it. What would you change and why? Uh, an interesting concept that came up to me uh, or that I read about, there's something, I saw it some way, was the name sports entertainment. And it's just, when you include the word sport in there, you know, a lot of people argue, like, well, Vince McMahon declared that it wasn't a sport during the steroid scandal of, you know, the 90s, so why do you say sports entertainment? Like, is there, is it really a, a contest? Is just like, like, you know, an athletic contest? Like, I guess I would just change the name because people, even hearing sports entertainment, adding the sport adds a sense of legitimacy, perhaps. And not to say that, you know, wrestling's not legitimate, but it almost adds this, like, taboo oh, I don't know if I can talk about this because it's killing kayfabe or like someone else coined, uh, said the phrase that pro wrestling is physical theater. And not to say that sports entertainment or pro wrestling should be like, oh, I'm a, I do physical theater. Oh, you're talking about pro wrestling. But I don't know. I think just the way that it's worded has some form of 
taboo of whether it's fake or you know the old school pro wrestlers will be like you know that's not that's not pro wrestling all the flips and all the choreographed stunts that you're doing that's not pro wrestling so i don't know it's some kind of breakdown between the people behind the scenes of pro wrestling the people in the media who have to present pro wrestling and almost you know like the people at espn it's probably got to be weird or confusing for their boss to say okay you're going to talk about wrestlemania and how ronda rousey is going to go do this wrestling match or fight or like I guess, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's yeah, I know, so, exactly. It's I'm, such a weird way for the public, between the people watching at home, the media who has to report it outside of WWE and New Japan, and the people within WWE and New Japan, of really defining, like someone just saying, okay, can we just accept globally that this is what this is, and stop trying to ruse or have a, a charade or Carney our way into making you believe it's something it's not. But at the same time, everyone wants to believe. Everyone wants to believe it's a real fight. So just like you want to believe that Walter White is Heisenberg and it's not Brian Cranston from Malcolm in the Middle playing this chemistry teacher on a television show, you want to believe, like, holy shit. Walter White, yeah, Heisenberg, it's a real person. And so it's it's so weird, but it's the way it's presented. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe saying that this show, giving credit to the writers and the producers of the show at, at the end of each show, maybe that's like a way, you know? Oh, this episode of Raw is written by blah, 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 because then you're really like... <laughs> saying, hey, it's a show versus this is real. But I don't know. It's so, that's a tough, tough question, but that's probably along the lines of where I try to start. Hey, that's... A universal way for everyone to, like, accept and understand here's what this is. Take it or leave it. Hey, you answered that pretty good as well. So, um, so has, like, a in-ring psychology help you with your craft and magic in the ring as well? Uh, in what way? Like using magic in the ring or performing magic outside of wrestling? No, I'm, I'm talking about performing you know, magic in a ring as well as wrestling at the same time, using that in-ring psychology on your opponents and getting the audience way into it. Right, it's it's somewhat easier. It's definitely trial and error. You learn like what works, what doesn't, and then what to put, what thing that does work where. So, like the first time I did the coin behind the ear to Drew Gulak, I did it within the first like three or four minutes of the match after like chain wrestling with him for a little bit, and I got a good response. But I've grown to learn that the later you do that in the match the bigger a response it gets because after like 12 minutes of wrestling and then this coin comes from behind the ear, then at that point it's really like, wait a minute, this guy's been wrestling for 12 minutes. Where'd that coin come from? So it's just little things 
like that of just like placement what what to do when to do it how to do it telling you know it's it's a wild it's a wild execution it's a never-ending puzzle so um what do you think about all in that's coming out in uh chicago oh i think it's great i think uh maybe we'll see cm punk there maybe we'll see daniel Bryan there who knows uh I think, I don't know if Daniel's contract is coming up at the end, beginning of September, or on the same day as All In. It's September 1st, is it not? Yes, it is. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just think it's great. How many people does it seat? It, um, they're, they're trying to say they're trying to get like 10,000 people. And I think it's... You be able to do that in Chicago. Oh yeah, because Chicago's a huge wrestling city. Um, they love their wrestling. Yeah, it's like the biggest city in the world in the U.S. As far as I think or know or concerned, but yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Any everything that's going on right now is great between progress and all the indies, and now uh, Gabe is uh, from Evolve is working within NXT and helping with those. You know, helping with NXT while still running his independent Evolve wrestling show and all of his other World Wrestling Network branded shows. It's uh, it's pretty wild because it's probably just the best time to be like a wrestler in because and the more it's evolving, the less of oh you need to be X amount of weight and you need to be X amount of pounds. It's more, hey, if you're good, then we're gonna we're gonna like you and we're gonna accept you. So it's good for everyone, man. That's pretty good. And WWE thinks and WWE thinks it's good for everyone too. You oh, know? Yeah, I bet. Um, so where do you see Jerk one twenty in twenty eighteen and three years from now? Mm. It's a it's a tough question. I, I thought I knew. Uh, you know, hopefully everything with this tryout went well enough to, if, if it's not this time around, if they don't need me or want to bring me in right now, uh, then they definitely, if anyone's ever like, Hey, I think we're ready for a magician now, whether that's in two years or however long, if someone within those walls is like, hey, I think a, I think a magician character might be really good. Do we know anyone that can fit that bill? Oh, yeah, we got a guy, or we know a guy, you know? So I'm definitely on their radar. I'll just keep trying to chip away at training and getting bigger, better, faster, stronger, and... Uh, but at the same time, who knows? This disturbed reality stuff might really take off even more than it has now because I have 850 or 870,000 subscribers. But, you know, if in two or three years, disturbed reality is at like two or five million subscribers, then I don't know. Life's crazy, man. A lot can change in two months. Oh, that's true, too. And like I said, you know, um, you have the best of both worlds. I mean, you enjoy magic and wrestling, man. What can anybody else say about that? I mean, you're just having a great time. Right. Living in Marine Del Rey, 
California, no less. Just backyard neighbors, pretty much, with good old Stone Cold. And, uh, yeah, just looking out my window right now, you can see, like, the mountains. It's a beautiful place to live, so whether I'm making vlogs or making YouTube videos for my Magic fans or continuing wrestling, it, uh, who knows? So Uh, who... I could, I don't know, end up at a normal job being a video editor or something like that. Life's pretty crazy. Yes, it is. So, who would you like to uh, get in the ring ne- next in the uh, world of uh, pro indie wrestling? Who would you like to get your hands on if you had a chance? Pro indie wrestling? I'd love to get in there with Zach Saber or Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle would be like a lot of fun, only for the sake of, not only, but mainly for the sake of just like learning from them. I would just be like, all right, you know, let's go do the damn thing. Um, but anyone, anyone that I would consider better than me or some, which is most people, some just, I want to be able to learn from people and I want to be put in positions where someone says, oh, I think he's at least ready to wrestle a Matt, uh, a Matt Riddle or a Zack Sabre Jr. Because that means someone is putting me not on that same level, but on the level to be like, you know, this guy versus, you know, I could have put Matt Riddle versus Zack Sabre Jr., but instead I want to do Matt Riddle versus Jericho 120 or whatever. You know what I mean? So those two guys for sure, and I'd love to, who knows, maybe go to Ring of Honor or I might reach out to TNA here and uh, try to, just wrestle anyone. What about uh, what about anyway. Joy? What about Joy Janela? Uh, Joey's cool. Yeah, he'd be great. I don't know what he would expect or want out of me. Uh, that might become more of a a Gaga match because of the magic. Because I know that Joey, he's an entertainer first and foremost. But I also know that he's what, what he's willing to do to his body. You know, so. But he might look at someone like me and be like, oh, great, like, a magician. I don't have to kill myself today. We can just strictly be entertaining or whatever. So, yeah, Joey would be fun. So you were talking about Ring of Honor as well. Have you ever uh, tried to reach out to Ring of Honor and get a tryout through their dojo? Not any time recently. But uh, I know that New Japan just came into Los Angeles and they're doing their... Uh, like LA Dojo, so I don't think I don't know if that was just like a one week thing and it's done, or if they're coming back and they're staying. But the idea of New Japan making Los Angeles or California their second home is definitely promising. Plus we have PWG out here, and they just switched to a new venue, um, a bigger venue in downtown Los Angeles, and so because all these guys are getting swept up from WWE and going to NXT, PWG is getting a lot of doors opened, so to go, you know, wrestle there. And so that's like a big uh, bucket list check off the, the, the whiteboard. Hey, that'd be pretty good. Uh, I like Pro Wrestling Gorilla. They get a lot of great talent through there, and it'd be awesome seeing you there. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun, and they fully... Except 
the idea of like those the fans are basically like we accept everything. So if a magician comes through and we did the magic choke slam or we, you know, manipulate time or whatever a magician could do, that crowd would like just eat it up. You know, the card coming out of the mouth as the finale. And on top of the the actual I think good wrestling that I can provide the flagpole elbow drop and you know whatever else I have up my sleeve no pun intended but um, yeah I definitely I think, uh, I think that crowd would eat me up in a good way I definitely can see you wrestling for PWG and I hope you get a chance to because that would really really kick ass I mean I've seen you wrestle at the promotion in Hollywood as well and it seems like the audience liked you over there uh, that audience like stays relatively stagnant. You never really fully know with them, and because uh, they're they're used to seeing cause the same people are used to seeing the same people every other week. So I don't know. It's kind of it's a tough it's a tough one to grasp. And over there they're filming for TV, and so you have to play to the cameras, which more often than not will have your back to the audience and it's hard to you know connect with anyone if they have their back turned to you so it's it's a challenge over there but they try to prime guys to get ready for tv wrestling aka wrestle for the cameras not for the people so hey that's pretty good as well now um tell us about evolve wrestling for my listeners who've never heard of evolve wrestling and may check it out tell us all about evolve wrestling so Evolve Wrestling was is ran and basically it, well it's co-run by two people, but one of those people is Gabe Sapolsky. The other is his business partner Sal. And Gabe used to be the head booker for Ring of Honor for years, years and years and years. And he was actually Paul Heyman's protege in ECW. So when ECW was going on its heyday, Gabe Sapolsky was Paul's right hand man, and then. You know, ECW went to the wayside or got picked up, you know, sold to WWE. Or, and then Paul went to WWE and now, and then Gabe went to Ring of Honor and Gabe started booking and running and promoting Ring of Honor. And then eventually, I don't know if it was Broadcast or Sinclair or whoever it was that ended up eventually taking over during that specific time where Gabe had to go you know, make pro wrestling work in a different company, but Gabe started up Evolve in 2010, and so it's been around for eight years, and just uh, slowly, I feel like it's always been chipping away. I felt that it was always one of the top companies, like, worth knowing, as far as the independent scene. Definitely within the top three to five, you know, PWG and... CZW was like a huge name back like in the day when they were doing first doing all their deathmatch stuff. But Evolve is basically trying. I think their business model is the best wrestling. That they are a very strong wrestling based company. That's where you'll find. That's where like Drew Gulak comes from, and TJP used to be there, and Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa, and so a ton of people guys in Evolve who are now at WWE were just like these really solid fundamental like professional wrestlers and 
that's basically what it is. And not just that, but it's almost like a breeding ground for NXT and WWE. There's so many people who have been in the Evolve locker rooms who are now currently within WWE or NXT. And there's a lot of people backstage there now who will, like, for sure be in WWE down the road. And especially because Gabe is working directly with NXT. So I don't know if it was, like, a hand-picked thing from Triple H or WWE who's like, hey, Evolve is, like, our go-to promotion to find, you know, top-tier talent to eventually bring in. Or if it's just been Gabe's hustle and grind and trying to, like, uh, stay connected within everyone at WWE, but it, it's it's insane. But I guess that's the best way to describe it. Is it's a breeding ground for talent that Gabe has an eye for talent, and he'll bring find people and bring them in, and then WWE sees that. Gabe is like WWE's go-to guy to find talent in, a, in to some capacity. I know they have a ton of rec- uh, recruiting people and agents within WWE who are looking for wrestlers all over but Gabe's always Gabe's been just a consistent guy who always has someone to show WWE that's pretty cool so. too as well um also tell okay, us so basically if you start watching Evolve you're you're basically watching the early stages of people who are going to get to WWE oh I'm still looking forward to it to checking out more stuff I mean I, I was curious about it and, you know, heard about you. And then I went back and did some research on it. And I, I, I enjoy involved wrestling. Um, I tried to catch up some, on some videos of some of the back, you know, the locker room talent. And like you said, there's a lot of great talent growing within there. And sooner or later, you're going to see them up in, you know, WWE and NXT, like you said. And also, I have a feeling you're going to end up going to be called back up in WWE as well. Well, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, low, high hopes, low expectations. Hey, I, I'm sending you positive vibes, brother. It will happen, man. Just think positive. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Um, also, do you have any upcoming matches coming out? Well, WrestleMania is next week. I don't know when you're going to air this podcast, but I will be in New Orleans for Mania weekend. Yes, that's what and you're saying. I'll be there from the 5th to the 7th, and then WrestleMania is on the 9th, I believe, uh, or something like that. Um, also, uh, where can you um, anybody find you on social media or uh, check out Disturbed Reality? I'm pretty much Jerick120 across the board, whether it's Instagram or Twitter. Just one word, Jerick120. Uh, think Jared, J-A-R-E-K-120. A lot of people get the spelling wrong. Um, and then... You just go on Google and you just type in Disturb Reality. Uh, surely uh, my YouTube channel will pop up. Um, but yeah, I'm all over. I'm easy to find, easy to get a hold of. Um, also, um, do you have any uh, uh, websites where you sell your like merchandise, like your T-shirts? And um, I also heard up. Wrestling- I- go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead about your shirts. Oh, it's a pro wrestling tees dot com slash Jerick120. There's some shirts on there. And then I'll also sell like decks of cards at wrestling shows like custom made Disturb Reality decks of playing cards. 
Yeah, I don't know if this is true or not. Did you um um do some uh, playing cards through uh, Kickstarter? Yeah, that is true. I I did a Kickstarter and I had my fans of Disturb Reality fund this deck of playing cards. Uh, raised like twenty three thousand dollars, but it cost me a little more than that to get the cards made. But still, it uh, was a success. And I still have a bunch of cards left over that I'm just holding off on selling because I've taken a break from uploading from uploading magic videos because I wanted to focus on wrestling. And now wrestling is going good, and I'm in this new apartment, and I'm ready to come back. All right, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in some more matches involved and um, everywhere else. I'm dying to see where you go from here, man. You got a fan right here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, and also thank you for coming on and taking your time coming on to my podcast today as well. Of course. That's what what, uh, we're all here for, help each other out. Exactly, and um, if you have anything you would love to plug, like your upcoming matches or anything from Evolve or anything, be freely to hit me up and I'll share everything on my social media as well. Awesome. The only thing I'd say, I have these Evolve shows coming up on I'll be with them all uh, every show, essentially. I'm missing May, but uh, I'll be back in New York in June for Evolve, and I'll be trying to wrestle in California. And then if there's any video you should watch on YouTube of mine, if you're a wrestling fan, it would probably be, it's called Aspire to Inspire, and it's a documentary on my YouTube page. So if you went to YouTube and typed in, like, Aspire to Inspire, Disturb Reality, watch the full documentary like it's uh it it's cool it's badass yeah i'm a i'm definitely i'll definitely will look up inspired to aspire i'll definitely check that out myself because i'm a huge wrestling fan too and i also love magic that's the reason why um i was so intrigued to have you on the podcast because i like both as well and and like i said thank you so much for coming on wonderful yeah you'll love the documentary because it dives heavy into the idea of both as well as just like some real life you know lessons and shit that people go through excuse my language oops hey that's all right this is my podcast you can slip shit (laughs) (laughs) but anyways uh thank you so much and everybody thank you for tuning in you can listen to my live podcast at wrestlepopcast on spreaker.com hit the follow button and you can also listen to my live podcast at at wrestlepopcast on the itunes Hit the subscribe button and rate it. That helps me a lot. And you can listen to my uh, episodes at Russell Popcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. You can follow me at Twitter at Russell-Popcast. And also at Facebook at Russell Popcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Talk to you later. Bye.